Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And I'm Seth. <laughs> hey, what's up? We got a third person here. Uh, we're excited to have Seth Fowler on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Um, this is great. Yeah, Seth is a, well, recently jumped ship to be a full-time YouTuber. Yeah. Um, he's a shoe aficionado, and James and I have been wanting, <laughs> wanting to get someone on the podcast so that we can confess our deep, deep, true love for dad shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're in right now, so you're in luck. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, Seth, impressive. How long have you been doing YouTube? About two years. And you're at 234,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. He's the real deal. He's Almost nice. a quarter of a million. Yeah, getting yeah. there. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks. It's kind of we'll crazy see. to me because I, I was thinking about it today. I kind of have watched both of your journeys from from the sidelines like a proud father. <laughs> uh, as, you've, as you've grown, you know, like Seth, I, I first came to know Seth. Uh, working together mm-hmm. at Lifetime Brands, mm-hmm. and had, you hadn't started the YouTube channel then, had you? No, I started it maybe a year into Lifetime. Yeah, yeah. a year into my lifetime, I started the YouTube <laughs> channel. <laughs> I didn't know that YouTube went back that far, yeah. but yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, what? Uh, well, maybe we should get into some. I don't know, just some backstory on Seth. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to kind of hear about. You know, you we know you from industrial design, but mm-hmm. I'm eager to hear about how that transition from industrial design to YouTube, or I don't know, maybe is is YouTube what you want to do? I don't know. Let's. I want to hear about it. So it, it's it's an interesting story. I started out when I was younger. I always knew I wanted to be in design or some sort of like facet of design. Um, my dad was an uh, engineer and my mother was a uh, graphic designer. So perfect. I, right. Exactly. It's That's a perfect nice. mix. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that there was something that was sort of in between both because I was terrible at math and physics and I was, you know, I was good at drawing. And so I, I went into engineering or I thought I could go into engineering and I just realized I don't like it. <laughs> and then I found out that there was a sort of a need for people to design things. Right. Um, and so I also I also love basketball and I also love playing basketball and uh, I never realized how much sneakers really or the sneaker culture was influenced by basketball um, until I started to work at Vans and uh, when I was working oh. at Vans I know it's it's, it's Vans the shoe store Vans the shoe store okay. yeah so I worked there when I was younger no the Vans Depot he sold mini Vans I sold Plymouths yeah it was great <laughs> found a pair of Jordans in the back of one of them. Exactly. So, so Vans was interesting because it sort of took their their whole like culture is sort of similar to Apple's idea of like creating things for creators. So it really sort of fostered the idea that design and and fashion and sneakers sort of were in one, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've never like Vans were never really hyped, but I was I was working right next to the uh, DTLR store in Maryland, which I think I don't. What know is the D? Well, I don't know what that is. It's like one of those um, sort of like. I don't know, like it's a sneaker store that sells uh, just pretty much everything from Timberlands to like Jordans. Mm. Um, it's got, it, like sort of, it's it's very similar when you think of like the early 2000s and Mark Echo, that's sort of the vibe that it got had. It, got like it. sort okay. of graffiti on the walls, things like that. It was okay. sort of following that vibe. Um, so every Saturday they would release a pair of shoes and there was always a crazy line outside the store. And I didn't know what was going on because I'd be working at the van store. And mm. so at lunch, Every, every Saturday, I'd go over and ask them what they were waiting in line for, and I'd, they'd show me these shoes, and I was like, wow, these are incredible. Um, and then... Wait, were they really incredible? They were pretty cool. They were shiny. That okay. was the main thing for me. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but back when I was getting back into the basketball thing, back when I was playing basketball, I was playing in like Skechers and just not, not great shoes, and they weren't basketball shoes. They were running shoes. It was just my parents didn't really care what I wore for basketball. I didn't really care what I wore for basketball. Um, and and I definitely got a lot of crap for it uh, while playing basketball. And I realized while working at, or while working next to DTLR that there that these shoes that I love the look of also were great for performance and great for mm. basketball. And so it was it's really sort of a weird mix of three things of like my love of design, my love of fashion, and my love of basketball coming into one. Interesting, um, right? Exactly. It's, okay. it's, uh, it's were you on like a high school basketball team? Or you uh, just like play for fun. I, I I was on a junior varsity varsity basketball team. Yeah, it wasn't the best. Um, I, I'm not good at basketball. I just like playing it. Um, yeah, so uh, so that was sort of what what sparked my love of sneakers. And then um, YouTube, it was always something I was into. Like I used to post videos on this channel called Stupid Videos or this website called Stupid Videos before YouTube. Was okay. Around. Oh wow. You know, um, do you guys know the? I'm trying to think the uh, Badger song. By any chance, Badger, Badger, Badger. Oh, yeah. right, right. Was this kind of like an E-bombs world? Yeah, or? very similar. Okay. Very similar. I am not, I don't know what. 
You think of, know. like, the worst internet video, and that's what it was. Okay. It was just Nick, like, okay. Nick emerged from some sort of rock in, in North Carolina circa 2000... Like 11? 11? Okay. Yeah, about that time. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. I, I wonder if, uh, you know, just talking about, like, sneaker culture in general, do you think most people come at it from the place of, they're, you know, they were basketball players and, and they get sort of into the fashion of it or, you know, and almost aspiring to be like those athletes. Like it's to me, it's almost like, you know, you're you're giving somebody the like uh, it's like how the Catholic Church used to have like all these remnants from like what they said was the cross. Right. You know, all these like relics. splinters or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you're, you're giving somebody something from, from your hero saying like, this is what your idol wears. Right. You know, this is this talisman. I kind of feel like that was the way that people got into shoes, you Definitely. know, several years ago, but now I think it's changed a bit. Yeah. But do you I think totally that agree. that's, totally do you agree. think that that's what ha- was happening back before the YouTube culture? For sure. Yeah. So I think the way it started was, um, you know, everyone was wearing Converse in the NBA for years and they weren't very comfortable and, you know, it was what everyone wore. And then as brands like Nike started to get into basketball, they started sponsoring people like Michael Jordan. And he was mm. obviously the greatest of all time and everyone wanted to be like Michael. So if you're growing up in that era or maybe your dad grew up in that era, um, you know, and you, you even cared about basketball at all, or even if you didn't, if you watched the movie Space Jam, you wanted to be like him and you wanted right. to wear what he wore. And the way that Nike sort of marketed it was super smart. They they marketed it in a way it's like, you can be like him yeah. if you wear his shoes. You right. can jump as high as he can right. if you're wearing air in your sneakers, right. things like that. And they had the commercials with like the kids jumping really high. Brilliant. It was an yeah. amazing marketing campaign. I, yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, it was incredible. I or guess Nike did start out, I mean, they were running shoes for the longest time. Was, mm-hmm. was the Jordan, was that their first basketball shoe? No. It wasn't. That was um no, it wasn't. It was the uh, I don't remember what the first basketball shoot by Nike was, but the Jordan was actually the Jordan wasn't even that successful in the beginning. Mm. Um, in fact, after the Jordan, so Michael was with um that might be me. Sorry, Michael was with um I'm sorry, my bad. Um, Michael was with uh with with Jordan Brand for I think a couple months before he got his first signature sneaker, and they realized that he was going to become well, it wasn't Jordan Brand at the time, it was Nike. Um. They realized that he was going to be something incredible, so they gave him a signature shoe, mm, okay. um, and that was the Jordan one, I which see. at the time, I mean, it sold because of his name, but it wasn't like what it is now. Right. Um, and then it got picked up by you know people who wanted to wear it for lifestyle, like skaters really liked it as a skating shoe because it had a really great outsole that gripped the boards really right, well. Right. Right. Um, and so that shoe took off, and then the Jordan 2 came out, and the whole idea behind the Air Jordan 2 was that it was this luxury designer shoe. Like, it was made, it was, all of them were made in Italy, they were made with really nice leathers and mm. nice materials, um, but it bombed. Like, no one wanted it. Hmm. And so, Jordan actually at that point was like, I don't know if Nike's the right fit for me, maybe I should go somewhere else. And um, when that happened, they had just hired this guy named Tinker Hatfield. I don't know if right. you guys Tinker right. Hatfield. Right, there's a, there's a documentary. Yeah, yeah. Yep. check that out. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's really good. And uh, he designed what is now the Jordan 3, and that was sort of what kept um, Michael with the company because it, that became one of the most iconic sneakers of all time. Oh, yeah. the Jordan 3. Is that the red one? That is... Oh, it can be red. It could be a lot of different <laughs> colors. It's the one... I have no clue what these shoes look like. I think it's, I know what the red one looks like. Right. I don't know which one that one is, but there's a red one somewhere. <laughs> It has design elements that I'm not like I'm not a huge. There's this thing called elephant print. I don't know if you guys know what that. It's sort yeah. of. It looks kind of like um. It's, it's like, like gray with like these black oh, lines, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's like on the toe and on the heel of that shoe. Right. And that was like the first shoe to really use that, and that sort of became a really iconic look. Yeah, and that's that's one thing with me and Jordans is I have never really understood. I can understand the fascination like culturally around this incredible athlete, but I've never really understood the style of the shoe it, as being something desirable. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it fits at least my personal no, totally. style. Yeah. Um, but do you think do you think that it was about the style or do you think it was about I mean it had to have been a it was combination. A, it was a mix for sure. Yeah. Mix for sure. I think it was a combination. Yeah. Um, and also like back in back in what, the uh, the mid the the late 80s and early 90s like style was so out there and different and just kind of wild um, I think it sort of fit within that mold um, and back then bulky shoes were a big thing too and a lot of these Jordans were very bulky because athletes needed well padded shoes so their ankles would be supported things like that right. Right. but also it fit within that sort of like baggy like sweatsuit sort of look yeah. now what was your first basketball shoe 
of, I don't know, probably a New Balance or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, you said the Skechers. I mean, those are. It was probably ones. the Skechers. I don't. Yeah, it was. It was something I bought from Walmart. You I'm were not the sure only. You were the only basketball player on the court skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it was wait, wait. That's why you only made a JV? They're like, <laughs> we can't have him on the varsity team. So, so He's you doing were ollies. You were in JV basketball in high school, but you went on to be an industrial designer. Like. Let's can what what happened to that? Yeah. Story? So why it's, did you bypass the NBA deal? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so oh man. Okay. So um, it's kind of like two worlds that never really diverged until YouTube. But it was um, mm. it was I, I, design had always been my passion. Yeah. You know. So design was the thing that I really wanted to pursue, and I knew I wanted to pursue it. Um, but I guess getting into like the college story, I I didn't realize that even even going into college i didn't realize that industrial design was what it was called or product design was I what know. it was called isn't that crazy everyone has so, that same story mm-hmm. so even though your your dad was an engineer and your mom a graphic designer they they weren't aware of industrial design either or i think they found, what honestly the way that we found out um, i knew that i wanted to create products yeah but i couldn't figure out what it was i for some reason like didn't google scad or uh, any school that has industrial design until um, Drexel actually sent me a newsletter and they were like, hey, we've got this new program opening up called Industrial right. Design. I don't know if that was fate because I didn't tell anyone I wanted to be industrial design. I didn't what? know who it was. It was yeah. nuts. You just got Insane. a letter in the mail. That's amazing. Really crazy. Um, so then my mom was like, yo, you should go see this school. And I'm like, I'm, I've never even heard of Drexel. What's Drexel? Like? So I go and it Wait, just... Where did you grow up? Did you mention that? Oh, Maryland. Baltimore, okay. Maryland. Yeah. And yeah. then Drexel is located... Yeah. In Philly. Okay, in so Philly. it's close by. And, yeah. and you yeah. were you were a part of the very first industrial design program that went through Drexel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I, remember, I didn't know that. So I, Drexel... I met Seth at his senior show. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, wait. There's a... Wait, there's a backstory to this. Yeah. I didn't, there is a backstory. What's this yeah. one? Well, the backstory is that uh, a friend of ours... Uh, former colleague Neil Carpenter was uh, a professor at mm-hmm. Drexel. He did a materials yep, class. Materials and manufacturing, yep. Um so he he brought me down. He was I was gonna do a sketching class at Drexel. Okay. Um and uh but yeah that's where I met Seth and, and it was the their first senior show. Now I grew up right outside of Philadelphia and I was like come on like I, you know i went i mean there are other schools in philly that that do industrial design but drexel is is known to be a good school for one mm-hmm. and known for their co-op program absolutely yeah um but you know let's go back to the early days of uh of you coming into school right you know like, what was that like? Because this is a program that's completely new. Did it feel that way? That's interesting. So you were a freshman, and they were like, oh, we got a new thing. We don't know how to teach it, anyone, but... It was it was odd. It was different. Okay. So um, I had always, weirdly enough, um, I had gone to a private school, and I was the first, I was in the first class to go all the way from... Because it was, it was like a, a very small like Christian private school. So it had third grade through 12th grade. Mm. And I was part of the first class to go all the way from third grade through 12th grade. So I had always oh. been a guinea pig my entire so life. I've been a pioneer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was no different. Okay, no different. Um, and, and the thing was, the, the guy who ran it actually was, uh, I think he was he was somewhere in the design program at SCAD. And, and Drexel approached him and asked him to start a program there. So he had right. had some good understandings. He brought in some great people. Um, his name is Mike Glazer. Yeah. Um, and then there's also, uh, I believe his, his uh, wife. Name is Carla Diana, and she's huge. Like she's, I think she's on um, uh, the board of, of Smart Design or something. Something. So they had great connections. So they oh, brought in like really great people. Oh, yeah. so awesome. To be fair, it was all adjuncts, but they all were people who literally would be working during the day, and they'd come teach the class. Yeah, you know. So they all had very real world experience. That's awesome. It yeah. was really cool. It was really cool. That feels that feels almost like more of the future of, seems, an, of yeah. a design education. The one thing that I always found interesting is that. You know, I always had, there was always a few professors that never talked about what they did in their career. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, 60 or whatever, and yeah. they're sitting there, like, teaching about, you know, they would like, design, and I'm yeah. like, but I want to, what about you? Like, what, it, what, it, how'd you get here, you know? Yeah, it would be, it's like, they love, they would go back to the talking points, it's right. like a political interview, like, yeah, you know, what, depends on what your mean, the meaning of is, is. Um... But uh, no, that, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. that's so interesting. So you so you got a lot of a lot of people who were coming from the industry. So you had would you say that coming out of there you had a sense of 
how things were going to function. I mean, you did you must have done a co-op, right? Yeah. So I co-opted at Echo Design in New York for awesome. three months, and oh. then I co-opted at Martha Stewart for the other three months. Right. Wait, so so the Echo mm-hmm. is Echo the shoe? No, Echo mm-hmm. is it's a oh, electronics it's, firm. Etni is a shoe, right? Yes. There's also Mark Echo, which is yeah. another like a, a fashion oh, brand. Oh, thank goodness! Yeah. I yeah. thought I was going crazy. <laughs> You know Echo Design. They're one of they're one of the f- like few industrial design firms in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just look it up sometime. I'm blanking. Your, I'm blanking. Nick, but in but, your spare time, <laughs> go ahead look that up. I'm sure if I saw it, I would remember. It's like yeah. their logo is like a, a plus sign. It's got E C C O. Okay, well I don't know about the they logo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome though. Yeah, so cool. you so you it was a studio. It was a studio. Yeah. Okay. And is you co-opt? Is that same thing as intern? What's yeah, it was interning. Yeah, yeah it, was, okay. it was just like a glorified intern that I still paid, you know, my college tuition to go to, which is ridiculous. But whatever. <laughs> I love how design internships aren't paid, especially when you're paying for a college at the same time. It's right. great. James and I are starting to. We're going to try to change that. <laughs> were the co-ops? Sorry. <laughs> were the co-ops during the summer or were they during semesters? It was during some. So okay, so here's the trade-off. You would do. It would be a six-month period. So you could. Drexel doesn't have summers. They have your, you have your freshman summer, and then in order to make up for the co-ops, you don't have a summer. Oh. Which, to be fair, didn't bother me too much because I ended up dating someone from school, so it was nice. And they lived in Philly, so it was nice. It worked out. It's yeah. awesome. um, but you know, if you have friends and family, whichever, wherever you come from, that might be tougher. But um, no, yeah, so it makes up for it. And honestly, like when you're in a college environment, I never wanted to leave. Like I was so happy where I was. Mm. So... Um, but yeah, no, you, you, you don't have summer and that's how they sort of make up for it. Yeah. yeah. But that, that means that you spent, you said six months at each six, co-op? Three months. Three months. Three months. So it's interesting. So the design programs at Drexel, you only get one co-op period, which is six months. Usually you stay with one company for the full six oh, months. Oh, I However, see. However, Echo only had a three-month program. Oh. And Martha Stewart only had a three-month program. And they both happened to be places that I wanted to work and they happened to line up. So that worked out great. But yeah. um, How was Martha? It was great. Was she in jail? Or oh, she, she, <laughs> she recently out of jail. Recently out of jail. Yeah, were you designing ankle bracelets? Or? <laughs> the jokes The jokes were not allowed at the office. Oh. So they were very... Uh, um, it's funny. So my boss and Martha ended up being my boss at, at the, the next uh, place I just recently right. left, BarkBox. Um, Dan Grossman. Dan Grossman. Yeah. Really great guy. Um, yeah, so it was a really cool... Martha was a great experience because it was so different than Echo. Yeah. Echo is very, like, a design firm. Like, right. There's, like, seven people, and they're all, like, you know, one guy's from Microsoft, one guy's from wherever. You know, one of them starting a company, which ends up being Quip. Um, and yeah. Then, um, and then Martha was, like, this big corporate environment where it's all, like, very different, and everyone's kind of... Um, really like professional and say the wrong it's very political martha was by far the most political place i've ever worked interesting really even more than lifetime yes because with martha see with martha there's you you're doing things in order to stay on martha's good side Mm. i think is the whole thing you don't want to be on martha's bad side you really don't want to be on martha's (laughs) bad side did you ever have a face-to-face with her interestingly enough so here's here's the story about that so it was a 40-person internship program, which shows you how much bigger you know, yeah. Martha is. Um, and there was two guys in the program, and I was one of the only guys. And so she had a, she does, she has a, a serious radio show, and every every time she has an internship program, she brings on like six people, and she had to have at least one guy in the program. So I I was the guy that she picked to be on the uh, the. Uh, I guess the radio show, and so I got a chance to talk to her there about like design. Wow! Oh, that's cool. It was great, and okay. she was super nice there. Yeah. And then immediately after exiting the room, she's like, "Get out of my face." <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very different experience, but yeah, no, it was good. It was that's good. that's awesome. So, like, what what would you say was the biggest takeaway from, uh, I guess, your school experience, mm-hmm. your co-op experience? Maybe those are two different things. What year did you graduate? Two thousand fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, what was a what was a big takeaway from that time period for you? I would say that co-op was by far the most valuable. I mean, obviously yeah. learning the basics is important, right. but I mean, you know, if you if you know how to sketch, you can learn how to even get better at sketching by following people like you on Instagram. Like there's there, there's ways to enhance those skills without really needing to take a class, not say the class isn't valuable, but the work experience, like the real life work experience and learning sort of things that you need to prioritize. Like I never learned our school, we, we had 3D programs, but we learned AutoCAD. Mm. Or no, I'm sorry, not AutoCAD. Um, what's the one that really sucks and it's more mainly for Alias? Service? Alias, yes. <laughs> I learned Alias in school. And no job I've ever worked. So has... much for that sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Alias is excellent. If you're a car designer, it's the way to go. Um, 
No, Alias is a great program. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> no. No, no. no but so I didn't realize that the industry standard was SolidWorks, and I didn't learn SolidWorks in school, and that was something that I had to learn on co-op. So mm. okay. having that, even just having that on my resume was a huge thing, but right. learning like how to deal with certain projects and, and how to do certain kinds of research and things like that. Like, I don't even use my senior project anymore because the stuff that I did on co-op and the stuff... Honestly, the stuff that I did on co-op was more interesting than my senior project because it mm. had like a real purpose. It wasn't sort of a problem that I invented myself. Right. Which, right. to be fair, for your senior project, you should look for a real problem. But you know, my senior project was terrible. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember your senior project. It wasn't that bad. Well, I don't know if you remember it. You probably. Just well, I was looking at your website today, and I was like, oh, that's. Oh, that's oh it's on your website. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah, I, thought I took wait, it down. Wait, <laughs> wait you have a what? Oh, wait. It's SethFowlerDesign.com. Okay. Do you have a? You, website for your YouTube that's I, not YouTube I have I have yeah so I have multiple websites so I have one that's SethFowlerDesign.com which I use as basically my portfolio okay and then I have a website that I sell merch for my YouTube channel and shoes that I don't need and then I have my YouTube channel what's the merch just one? Seth Fowler oh Seth what is it um, SethFowlerStore.com get that creative. merch get yeah. that merch, yeah. merch. <laughs> buy that merch <clears throat> uh, it's sold out though super exclusive <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh Wait, I have another question for you, which is, yeah. I, I remember when we were at Lifetime, you were doing Fowler Customs. Right. Wait, wait, wait. So you graduated and went to work for this for, for Lifetime, Lifetime. For Lifetime. And that's but, where you guys met. Yeah. Right, exactly. But did you start Fowler Customs in college? Yeah. So Fowler Customs was something that I started. I like Explain I, to people what, oh, what man, Fowler Customs it's was. Whole, okay. So basically what happened was in college, I was looking for a lot of different ways to make money because obviously in college, just, you know... Not a lot of ways to make money. So the thing that I sort of came up with was to try and resell shoes, which, you know, if you're not like, if you can't hustle and you're not good at like, uh, you know, kind of being a little shady, you're not, you're not going to do well. And I'm terrible <laughs> at that. Like I, my girlfriend says I'm the worst liar ever. And she's like, in some ways it's great. It doesn't matter. Um, oh no. Yeah. Whole big thing. Um, <laughs> sorry, Jordan. Um, so so I, I, that didn't work out for me. And I was like, I still love shoes and there's got to be a market for something in shoes that I, I would be good at. So uh, I was like, okay, I'm an artist. I've painted before. Why not customize shoes? And so I started doing that and I would start, I would go on these face in Philly. There's this uh, Facebook group. I don't know if it's still around called buy, sell fresh kicks Philly. And it's people who are be reselling their shoes or selling their collections or whatever. So I started, um, I bought a couple pairs of vans and I painted them. Like I looked for popular themes, like galaxy themes were popular. Um, like just painting them to look like other shoes, which is kind of odd, but that was popular. So I painted a couple vans cause you know, they were cheap and I had a discount. And I, um, I just posted pictures of them on, on Facebook, and I was like, hey, if anyone needs their shoes customized, customized I'd be happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I charged, I think it was like 50 bucks a shoe, which was way too low because it took like 20 hours to paint a shoe. But, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Lessons of an entrepreneur. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so I did that. It actually took off, surprisingly. Um, I was one of the first people to do that in Philly. Um, in fact, it got to a point where I was actually, I did a shoe for a Sixers player. Which was kind of cool. That is he, like, awesome. he came to my house and picked it up. It's crazy. It was crazy. This guy named MCW, he got Rookie of the Year. I did his shoe, and then he went off to the Milwaukee Bucks and hasn't done anything since. Um, but uh, Now, did you get the idea from somebody else, or was this or was this something that, that had just... Uh, it was a suggestion from a friend. Oh, It was a cool. suggestion from a friend. He's like, a friend of mine who was also in the design program that I was in was like, well, why don't you just customize shoes, because that apparently is something that people do. I was like, shit, I'll try it. Yeah. So And, it, and I mean, it, it, it did okay. Um, and then when I started doing the YouTube channel, I was still doing that on the side. But like I said, I was I was sorely undercharging, and it just didn't make fiscal sense to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that kind of died out. Gotcha. But okay. then did that evolve into the YouTube channel? I mean, with that dying, did out of the out of the ashes, did the phoenix rise? <laughs> Um, you know what? It helped. It helped build me like a little bit of a following. So I had a right. small Instagram following at the time. I think I had like three thousand, uh, three thousand Instagram followers, and I was like, you know what? These people know who I am. So why not? You know, well, uh, let me let me get back to my. I guess YouTube. Like I started yeah. YouTube back in like two thousand seven, and it was something that I just posted stupid skits on. Right. Mm. Um, and then one day I got an Xbox, and I was like, crap. Maybe if I review this Xbox, I'll get some views. So I reviewed oh. it. Got three hundred thousand views. What the Xbox review? What? The Xbox review. Wow. The Xbox 360. Wait, and, and what year was this that you were? Two thousand seven. Is this video still on YouTube? Because three hundred thousand views in two thousand seven. It was nuts. It's a big deal. Yeah. But someone claimed the video because I used an official Microsoft picture and I didn't get any money from it. Oh, I know. I know. Man. Also, I was like fourteen or fifteen. Mm, two thousand seven. I don't know. Two thousand seventeen. 
2007. What was the gist of your review? You can still find it. I don't I, want you to, but we should link that. Um, <laughs> I sound very different. It's a, uh, but no. So the whole gist. <laughs> Hi, I'm Seth Fowler. Oh my god, you're so close. It's scary. Um, but so the whole idea was just it was just literally just reviewing a console. I, I'd watched a lot of tech channels like I Justine and like people who review stuff. Right. Um, and I just wanted to be like them, so I did it, and it took off. And stupid me didn't capitalize on that and do more tech reviews. I just kind of thought. Okay, well, if I do skits now, that'll work. And it mm-hmm. didn't. Um, so, and ever since then, like, I'd been in multiple bands. I'd posted, like, music videos right. or whatever. And, like, maybe they'd get, like, a thousand views here, a thousand views there, which at the, which was all from my mom, I found out later. Um, <laughs> what, going to she different... Puts, like, she puts it on repeat when she goes to bed or something? Exactly. Okay. She makes, like, fake accounts. Oh, my yeah, God, she would have so to, good. Yeah, make a fake IP and, like, <laughs> exactly. continue to make different IP addresses. Well, well 10,000 of my followers are all on my mom as well. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so then I, I guess to, to answer your question of, uh, yeah, so Fowler Customs, I, I started a YouTube channel called Fowler Customs, which is right. what my channel is now, um, with the intent that I would teach people how to customize shoes. Oh. And uh, I never made one custom video because I, what I what I did instead was I, I would just start reviewing the shoes that I already bought because I was buying way too many shoes as it was. Hmm. Um, I think the problem that I have is that whenever I get money, I just instantly spend it. And so having a full-time job, like lifetime, that pays you know a normal salary, that was the first time I'd had money in my life. I was like, Fuck, I'm just gonna buy all this stuff. And so mm. I figured I have all this this you know extraneous stuff that is not making me any money. Might as well try and make some money off YouTube. And yeah. it ended up being a passion of mine, and and it just started to grow. And yeah. And then Fowler Customs. I realized I was never gonna do any customs, so I changed it to my name, and that's sort of how I got to where I am. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. And like in a, the process, that, you have you've worked for Lifetime Brands. You've mm-hmm. worked for Bark. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've I, I know that you were doing. And those are the only two places, or do you have any other? I've done jobs? freelance. I've done yeah. freelance. Like you guys know Inch Design in Brooklyn. Yeah. I was freelancing there for a while. Um, Didn't you do something with Prime? I did. Oh yeah, I worked yeah. with Prime. Worked with Prime for a little bit. Oh, they're cool. St- I like their yeah. studio. Yeah, I yeah. really like them a lot. They designed the Harry's Razor. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, that's so cool. And so yeah. you recently decided to go full time. Yeah. To yeah. your YouTube channel. What What was that transition like? I think that is a big. It's a big jump for a lot of people, and everyone's sure. scared of it. And I I'm eager to hear about it. Yeah, well, okay, the, I mean, it's it's very easy when you get laid off. It's a very easy transition. <laughs> okay, to okay, so that was the transition. I was, see. No, but uh, so basically what happened was I had been doing YouTube for a long time. Uh, by that point, about a year and a half. And it had gotten to a point where I think I was maybe at 200,000 subscribers. No, maybe like 180,000 subscribers. Okay. And and I, I started to be making money that was rivaling my job. And I was like, one day I'm going to do this full time. And then... I, I wasn't like too happy with the environment I was in. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll start making this like a serious thing sooner than I thought. Mm. And then I got laid off and I was like, this is perfect. Right. <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah. Um, right. I, I mean, was, yeah. I mean, yeah, it does sound like, so it you, sounds you like you sort of fell you, into it. You, yeah. Fell, absolutely. Yeah. Well, absolutely. you sort of, yeah, you and the company sort of outgrew one another. I mean, exactly, you yeah. know, there is something that happens when a startup starts to, Totally. You know, get more serious and start to become a real company where totally. it just doesn't have the same spirit and vibe and, you know. Did did you feel like, I you know, I started doing the Instagram thing kind of mm-hmm. similar to your YouTube thing when I was full-time at a company and it was a lot of work doing a full-time day job and then coming home and doing extra Instagram work and building your personal brand. How was that? Are you Did you feel like you were working double time? Totally. Totally. I, um, there was, it was a very like, I'd get, it's, so the, the hardest I ever, I think, had it or the hardest I worked was when I was, when I first started the channel, I was working at Lifetime and it was before I started carpooling with someone who lived in my neighborhood. So I was commuting out to Long Island, which was um, from Queens. Um, and I lived in a really like sort of unaccessible part of Queens. So I would have to take the train from where I lived in Ridgewood to Brooklyn and then jump on the long, and then take the J from Brooklyn to Jamaica, and then jump on the Long Island Railroad. So that was like a whole hour and a half commute. Oh, an hour and a half. Right. Dang. So I'd be leaving at like seven in the morning, getting home at seven, and then I'd do the review, and that, and that's like I'd be going to bed at like you know twelve or one. So that was the hardest, but that only lasted maybe like six months. Um, mm-hmm. Then when I worked in the city at Bark, it was a lot easier because all the shoe stores were there, so right. I could like at lunch run out and grab a pair of shoes, come back, and then take it home and review it that night. So yeah. it was still busy. Um, 
So were you doing that whole process while you were at Lifetime? Were yeah. you having to go into the city to get shoes after work? Or? I would do that sometimes. I'd buy a lot of shoes online. Yeah. Um, I would also uh, try and convince my friends that the mall was the best place to eat so that I could yeah. go to the sneaker stores. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was that's sort of how that worked. And I think there's an upside and a downside to reviewing consumer products on online. One, you know, the upside is they're always going to be searchable. So yeah. if you review something that comes out, like you could review anything. As long as it's somewhat popular and people are searching for it, you'll get eyes, you'll get views. Um, on the downside, your channel is wholly, I guess, controlled by what these brands do. So, you know, right. if there's like a month where sneakers, you know, which hasn't happened yet, but if there's like a month where there's no, you know, shoes anyone's interested in, or for example, if you're a tech channel, like no phones or computers are coming out, you kind of have to figure out a way to fill that space. Interesting. That's interesting. Do you think that there is a relationship between, uh, let me see if I can phrase this correctly. I mean, the, you know, it seems to me like sneaker culture has, has gone to new heights mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Do you think that the sneaker companies, they're kind of aware of the of this YouTube phenomenon and therefore they're trying to make big statements all the time? I mean, or was this something a part of sneaker culture, you know, since the Jordans or, you know, would you say the rate at which things are coming out is much different than it was before YouTube sneaker culture? Um, so... Yeah, they're very aware. They're very aware of this whole like subculture. Right. Um, both, I, I think social media in general, they're very aware of and they support it because these people, I mean, are essentially are giving them free advertising. Right. You know? Um, so I think when, when these shoes were first coming out, like back when Jordans first came out, they wouldn't sell out. They'd sit on shelves for weeks and like they would be these like crazy shoes now that you couldn't, you couldn't even wish to have for retail, you know, would be sitting on shelves for, for weeks and they'd go on sale. Um, and there'd maybe be a new Jordan like every couple weeks. Now mm. it's like, you know, you've got a crazy Adidas shoe dropping on Tuesday and then you've got the, the, the newest retro Jordan dropping on Saturday. Like there's just so many releases and I think it's gotten to a point where it's just like, they're kind of just shoving stuff out, and I, I don't think it's a cash grab, but I think it's they've learned how to monetize their market, and they're really just kind of cashing. I guess. Do, you, yeah. do you do you think we're? I mean, we're kind of transitioning into the whole hype beast. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. really intrigued by this, but also yeah. the, the one thing I was thinking about: Do you think we're reaching this pinnacle of like shoe saturation, and it's starting to go downhill? I, I you know, my girlfriend is uh, well well versed in shoe culture as well. I would won't call her a hype beast but uh <laughs> um yeah she was telling me like yeah people are not reselling as much as they used to reselling used to be a big thing and huge and p prices would skyrocket and now prices are starting to come down on like the yeezys and mm -hmm. yep. um have we reached that pinnacle have we reached that peak saturation or what do you think i think what it is is that brands have realized that you know the hype that they built with something like the yeezy that they can make more from what I, th I think what sort of their plan is, is they find the shoes that are going to be really desirable and they start them out being really limited. So when Yeezys first came out, at least for Adidas, and when he went, when he went from Nike to Adidas, um, they would only make a couple thousand of them. And it sort of, it would get this idea of like this, this shoe is unattainable. And if you get mm. it, you know, it's worth so much. Um, and as time went on, they started to slowly release more and more, you know, so they'd release, it'd be different models, but they would release more of that model. Right. And now it's like they're releasing, you know, there's a new Yeezy every couple of weeks and they're releasing, rather than releasing like maybe six to 10,000 of them, they're releasing like 50 to 100,000 of them. Oh, I see. So, so they're just less valuable. Yeah. Exactly. But even Kanye himself, didn't he kind of say like, I want everybody want to everybody. be able to wear Yeezys. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but it, is, it also lines up perfectly with what Adidas and Nike are doing. Right. You know? Now, I, I have a question because, like, I feel like my awareness of sneaker culture first came about when uh, Kanye went over to Adidas and mm -hmm. released that first Yeezy collaboration with Adidas. Do you think, like, was that a big moment? Was that a huge moment it, in terms of sneaker culture? Because I would, I would, I would uh, echo that statement too. Because yeah. I don't really remember shoes until the Yeezy came out. Yeah. the first Yeezy. And then a lot of didn't a lot of designers or a couple prominent Nike designers didn't they they get essentially stolen by Adidas yeah. or you know what? Can you tell us a bit about that backstory? 
So Nike had always been kind of like the king of hype shoes. Yeah. There wasn't really, they were just, I mean, them and Jordan Brand. So Nike and Jordan Brand are technically, as of right now, separate entities. They still, obviously, Jordan Brand's owned by Nike, but Jordan Brand is a separate company. So those two companies were one and two when it comes to sneaker sales. Like, they were they were the, the juggernauts. I mean, Adidas had always been around. Puma had always been around. But they were never, like, they weren't what they used to be. You know, um, Nike had the lion's share of the market. I think Nike and like Skechers or something like that. I think Skechers is still out there, but um, <laughs> thanks, Kim uh, Kardashian for whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so, uh, so what happened was when Adidas got this, got I guess a licensing deal with this brand called BASF. And what BASF is is they create these pellets, which they you know they heat and then they expand and become this midsole called Boost, which is like, mm. right now it kind of looks like Styrofoam. Right. Um, right. But it's extremely soft. It's extremely comfortable. And that was something that they originally put in running shoes. Wait, wait. It it's called BASF. The company that they that Adidas licenses technology from is called BASF. I okay. think I forget. It's an acronym for something. Basf. Basf. Uh, okay. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what happened was. So they had created these running shoes, but no one was really buying them. So Kanye had expressed that he wasn't too happy with Nike because they it wasn't that they weren't paying him, they just weren't giving him the creative freedom that he wanted. Oh. So Adidas not only offered him a lot more money, but they're like, hey, we'll let you design what you want. Yeah. And so they stole him. And when they stole him, he saw this technology. He's like, yo, this is awesome. This is like super comfortable. Let's put it in my Yeezys. So they did. But even before the Yeezys came out, first of all, weirdly enough, Kanye has... has Basically driven the sneaker market over the last couple of years. Right. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but you know now it's like if he comes out with something, it sells out no matter what. Yeah. As long as well, different story. Whatever. Um, so so he played this concert before even the Yeezy came out, and he was wearing a pair of Ultra Boost, this white pair of Ultra Boost. Mm. And he there was this iconic picture of him jumping in this pair of Ultra Boost, and. Uh, as soon as people saw that, every single Ultra Boost on shelves sold out instantly before even the Yeezys came out. Um, <laughs> and then wow. people realized. Wow, this shoe is extremely comfortable. Not only is it hyped because Kanye wore it and everyone wants it, it was resell like it's a hundred and eighty dollar shoe, but it was selling for like six, seven hundred dollars. Wow. Um, so it had staying power because not only was it something that, you know, your favorite rapper was wearing, but it was also a great shoe. Um, and so with that being coupled with the fact that, you know, you had some Yeezys coming out that were extremely limited that everyone wanted, it really got Adidas like in the front lines of like, this is the brand that's sort of innovating. This is a brand that's trying new things because not only do they have Kanye, but they have this crazy new technology. They, a lot of their shoes are knit, which at the time wasn't a big thing. Like, mm. you know, Nike was doing a lot of leather shoes. And honestly, Nike had just basically just been re-retroing the same, well, the shoes that were selling were the ones that had been re-retroed oh, versions of Jordans. Right. So mm. it was kind of like they were just taking the same shoes that they've been making for years and just making different colorways. I see. Essentially. So Adidas really started to innovate, which, you know, you've got to give them credit because they keep doing that to them to, to this day. Like they have the 3D printed midsole shoes. Yeah. Um, but that was really, that's what really started to create this huge shift. And that's when it really became such a public thing because it became so obvious that this, in the same way that Michael Jordan drove sales for Nike, Kanye was the new like innovator, the new like marketing guy, the new person that you wanted to have wearing your shoes. We're seeing the Jordan 2.0. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. I mean, it's arguable that in this era of social media, Kanye is probably even bigger than Jordan I right. think, was at the time. You right. Know? And um, what's insane is I, I thought about it recently. I was actually on a. Oh, it might have been. A, I don't know what else. Who I was talking to about it, but. Um, for the kids of today, they're, some of them might not even know who Jordan is, but they're all going to know right. who Kanye is. Yeah. Right. And that's what's well, kind of scary. <laughs> but at the same time, as... Well, Kanye as is running for president, yeah. so... <laughs> that's another... That's but, another Kanye 2020, let's go. But I mean, it, it's, it's interesting to me because instead of being led by an athlete, it's being right. led by... Uh, I mean, he's, he's a hip hop artist. I would call him, yeah. I would just call him an artist in general. Right. I mean, he is, he's, he's broadened his scope of art beyond music. Right. For sure. Um, he, he, he honestly, like as much as people don't like him, he does deserve some credit because he genuinely has, you know, done things that no one else has done. Right. Before. He's doing the art, you know, he's, he wants to start an architecture studio. I mean, he has the whole Donda yep. creative studio yeah. doing all kinds of yeah. interesting things. When I see, when I see Kanye, like. I do feel like this is somebody who's generally like misunderstood and <clears throat> and also seems to be fighting not only against the public but in, against himself a lot 100%. of times and and going against almost his his own self-interest it seems and and that struggle is really interesting I feel like as an artist like 
you know, when, when you think of the classic artist, you think of struggle, you think right. of like yep. Van Gogh, yeah. like cutting his ear off and yep. things like that. But, it, but the, the fact that it's not an athlete that's pushing the fashion, the sneaker fashion, because sneakers came from athletics, but instead it's an, it's an artist. Right. That's, I don't know. I mean, I think that's exciting. We're artists, you know. That's Absolutely. <laughs> and what's crazy too is, in some ways, um, I mean, uh, athletes still driving sneaker sales is still very is still a right. very real thing. Like uh, Steph Curry went from Nike to Under Armour and then became this insane star. And now Under Armour is selling huge amounts of Curry basketball mm. sneakers. Um, and Under Armour, no one even cared about Under Armour shoes before Steph Curry. Right. Same thing with, um, I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys know Kyrie, but he was playing with LeBron before, now he's playing on the, on the Celtics. The shoe he made with Nike has become one of the best-selling Nike shoes, you know, over the last five, ten years. Um, but at the same time, there are people like, I don't know, uh, this year, this, um, this sneaker store owner who owns a store in Hollywood and in, in New York called uh, Round 2, he just had a collaboration with, with Nike, and mm. it's one of the most popular sneakers Wait, of the year. Wait, really? A store had a collaboration? Yeah. So what happened was there was this, this design competition that Nike held, and it was only it was the people who were uh, who were invited to be in the competition were people who were in the sneaker culture, but they weren't like designers, they weren't athletes, they weren't whatever. It was just kind of like influencers essentially. I see. Which is really interesting for all of us um, because he literally started a. It's called Round Two because he would go to thrift stores and buy like you know. 1990s, uh, I don't know, champion or 1990s, mm. whatever, and he'd resell it. Um, and his store started to get, get a, a following, but he wasn't really ever a celebrity. And then he had this collaboration with Nike because he won this competition to design this shoe. And now he has one of the most hyped shoes of the last year. Like it sells for $700. It's crazy. And he's not anywhere close to an I mean, I respect him. He's not anywhere close to an athlete. He's literally just a guy who started a store. Right. Huh. So now for with the social media age, there's people like him and people like Wait, us. Wait, what's his name? His name is Sean. It's not Witherspoon. It's Watherspoon. Yeah, yeah. those are the uh, rainbow wavy ones. Yep, they're made of I remember seeing those. They're I cool. I remember seeing those, yeah. And huh. the one thing I appreciate about him, and I think people who aren't just athletes, is that they have a... a a motive or an idea behind their sneakers. Like his idea is like he wants a shoe to be a shoe that you wear, like not something you put in a case. Like the reason he made it out of corduroy is because he always loved the idea of secondhand things and like and mm. things coming apart. And the more you wear it, the better it looks. So yeah. he wants it like the more you wear it, the more you wear it, the more it frays around the edges and oh, it gives you a okay. super nice, really cool look. That's yeah. awesome. And that's the whole design intent behind it was was to wear it. You know. Yeah. So uh, right now, is it is it Adidas versus Nike? Is that is that the big battle, or is Adidas past Nike? Yeah, Adidas actually. So Adidas is actually the second best selling shoe company in the world right now. So Nike's number one, which they're so far ahead because they own every market. Right. They own every market. They own the golf, tennis, basketball, running right. every market. So it's going to be a long time before. They're you know pushed out and I think they've they had a little lull when Kanye was doing his stuff they were kind of slowed down yeah but um now that they've seen that they have real competition again they're really starting to push yeah because I mean recently they did I mean within the last year I guess was the off white collaboration which yeah. seems to have huge yeah that's another example of someone who's not as athlete creating something that's one of the best selling shoes yeah you know, Virgil Abloh he started off white he's a fashion designer yeah and now his shoe is like the most coveted shoe of the last. Three or four years. Did he did he work with Kanye? Were were they collaborators? Did, didn't Virgil head up Donda? Possibly. I'm not. I'm not too not too familiar with Virgil. Honestly, okay. but you <laughs> met you met him. I didn't did. You? you met Virgil. I Adlo? did. I won a Nike. Con so there was this. Everyone gives me crap because they think that Nike like sponsored me to go out there and do this. And like the only reason you got to meet him is because you have a YouTube channel. I'm like, no, actually, I wrote this essay on design and they, I won this competition. <laughs> um, but no. So what they did is Nike held this competition called. Um, it was like when Off White. The collection was just coming out. They're like, we want um, designers to come out and meet him, and the only way that you could meet him was to write an essay on design and stuff oh. like that. So my essay won, or there was ten winners for two days. Um, so I got to go out and meet him and talk to him for about 10, 15 minutes yeah. and like pick his brain. Um, yeah. Super interesting guy. Super who, cool guy. Who is saying to you the only reason you got to go out there was because YouTube? It's like your YouTube, you're putting out your YouTube followers, right? YouTube followers, man. You're putting out like four videos a week. <laughs> listen, listen. Like, it's. You know, you're only uh, only Seth, because you're putting in all this hard work. You got to break down the demographic YouTube of YouTube followers for uh, for James here. James doesn't understand that they're all fourteen year old boys. It's trolls, man. It's <laughs> trolls. Actually, my I've I looked at my analytics. My analytics are ninety six point four percent male. 
followers. Oh right? wow, yeah. wow! It's very, it's a very heavily male demographic. Obviously, it's different for you know your yeah, channels, but, but that three point six, that three point six, <laughs> they love to not comment. <laughs> but um, um, probably but that, my mom and my girlfriend. <laughs> um, no, so uh, it's very YouTube is a very troll sort of environment. The internet right, in general, right. For but sure. I've learned a lot of things about myself that I wasn't insecure about, and now I'm extremely insecure. <laughs> oh, like no. what? Oh, no. My forehead is extremely large. No. It's huge. It's, well, it's a five head. I mean, I put all five <laughs> Um And that's something I never thought. I was like, I didn't realize yeah. that was a thing. Um, anything, like, you know, from me being skinny or me being white even, like an- anything, anything at all. Right. Know, people will, will call you on it. And I'm lucky because out of... You know, the troll sphere that is the internet, my following is pretty loyal and pretty nice to me. Generally. Yeah. Well, you never, you're never supposed to feed the trolls for sure. You're never well, supposed to. Did you, have you ever fed the trolls? Oh, 100% set? all the time. I do it all the time. No. I, yeah. You're not no. supposed, especially after midnight. No, that's gremlins. No. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were supposed to not eat before you go to swim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we all should right. all wait 30 minutes before we jump in the hot tub. Right, okay. Uh, but uh, no, Nick has a really good technique with trolls. Oh, yeah. I'd love yeah. to hear it. Yeah. yeah. I always troll the trolls. Exactly. Well, that's what you have to you, do. But the, no, no, be be more I'll, specific yeah, yeah. about so, that. So, it's you know, more of a jujitsu. Yeah, it, it's like a samurai troll almost. You know, I, I play almost uh, a figure that is not understanding that they are trolling me. <laughs> Listen, good. I I do these chair sketches. I don't know if you've seen them, Seth, course. or not, but yeah, absolutely. You know, they're out there. They're very uh, progressive in their design, <laughs> and usually they're not not comfortable at all and so there's people that'll say like oh that seat looks way too wide i'm like yeah my butt's really wide <laughs> you know and yeah. that's what you gotta do with that's, the trolls. that's amazing that's the best that's amazing but speaking of okay you you said the word progressive which sparked this i've been thinking about dad shoes I'm, yes I'm we need to talk about, about dad, dad shoes. we need to talk about dad shoes because i've been thinking about dad shoes as an i i love music i know you love music i've been trying to figure out the perfect analogy for dad shoes and let me float this one by you okay okay i think dad shoes are the prog rock of sneakers because you know prog rock is like this elaborate like overly elaborate concept driven rock music so you've got you know, you've got Rush and Yes and kind of Pink Floyd and, and stuff like that. I feel like dad shoes are the prog rock of the sneaker world. You know, I'm seeing I'm seeing I, blank stares. I only, I only know Daft Punk, so... <laughs> oh, God, Nick's trolling me right now. But uh, I, can, I do understand your uh, analogy, James. I yeah, think it, I think I look it makes at, sense. I look at the Balenciaga Triple S and I'm like... That is a that's a yes seven minute prog rock song. James has the Balenciaga Triple S on his back I, background on his I, phone. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. I wish. No, I don't. But I I uh, I was wa- actually watching your worst shoes of 2017. Oh, that and, shoe made the list. And, and that shoe made the list. I did. Now I how love, much did, how much did that shoe cost? Eight hundred dollars. I love the Balenciaga Triple S, and I and I like the different colorways that I've seen of it recently, mm. where it's like the tans and the blues. And well, can we can we just visualize this for a second, James? To me, what does it look like? To me, the Triple S looks like. Uh, the the soul of it looks like a burger that's like stacked with ingredients and, yeah. s- and kind of smushed down like Shaggy used to do on Scooby Doo. That's the kind of vibe that I get from the Triple S. Is there a colorful one? They're all very co- to a fault. <laughs> okay, so then tri- I, I know what I'm thinking of. What I am at, what I'm thinking of right now is if you took a bunch of kids and you right. got them together and said, "Here's a bunch of bubble gum, chew it." And then they oh, spit it on the floor, and you just rolled some shoes. Interesting. And the bubble gum. That's like the most spot on analogy. I, that's perfect. That's exactly. <laughs> the triple S is. I I don't know. The tri, the genuinely the idea behind the triple S was they took three different outsoles from three different shoes, squished them together, and made one outsole for. Is shoe. that for real? Genuinely is what it is. Because so that's interesting. Because there's a there's a Philippe Stark chair, and I forget the name of it, but he takes. I think it might be called like the master chair, mm-hmm. but he takes the silhouette of three mm. different mm. famous chairs and superimposes them I believe that's onto that, a plastic. Yeah, yeah. so, it, sound, it sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's what that's what the triple S does. Yeah. So so what is with this dad shoe culture right now? Why? Why is this? So I think James was giving it too much credit by giving it these really great artists, you know, and uh, comparing it to these really great artists. <laughs> it's um, 
it's pretty it's pretty shallow. It's uh basically like you know fashion is cyclical, so it always you know one thing will be in you know in the nineties and it'll come back, and I think we're in that sort of phase. It, it's now. a thirty year cycle, right? Yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, and I think that's what's happening. I think people are getting into more bulky looks, and so now dad shoe is a is a very broad term in that it kind of covers like anything that's bulky. But also colorful, or really like kind of um, what's what's not grotesque. What's the word I'm looking for? A very, very, uh, very out there. Yeah. Very colorful, very extreme, very like a bunch of like if you imagine a shoe having a bunch of different materials and panels all kind of like mashed together. It's a mashup. Right. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, so w- with that, like that's essentially the idea behind dad yeah. shoes. Um, and I think the uglier the better in a lot of cases. Now, did it start with the the Yeezy Wave Runner? No, Yeezy came out with the dad shoe after it was. That's so. That's really interesting. Okay. So okay. So there was. There have always been dad shoes. Like there's always been dad shoes. Yeah, my dad's always worn them. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the most. Um. The most. The original dad shoe, or the one that everyone sort of like calls the original dad shoe, is this shoe called the Nike Monarch. Right. And it's one that you buy at Walmart. You buy it, you know wherever. Uh, I can't think of any of the stores, but it's a shoe that everyone wears. It comes in black, in white, and then a black and white version. Um, right. And uh, it's everyone has it. And um, it's it's a shoe that everyone thinks is just the worst. But with that being said, Kanye apparently really likes the way it looks. And so, oh, the cult there was culture was already making that move back towards the '90s and already making that sort of like push towards it. And there had been brands like Balenciaga coming out with things like the Triple S, but no one was like really taking it seriously. Right. And then Kanye came out with the 700, and everyone's like, "What the hell is that? It's just so ugly. It's disgusting." And then as soon as it dropped, everyone's like, well, you know what? I'll buy one. Yeah. I'll, buy one, I'll resell it. Yeah. And it got to a point where it was reselling for $1,000. And now everyone's like, oh, I want to get a shoe that kind of looks like that. And then just all of a sudden, just back and forth, every brand started coming out with like Nike came out with a new version of the Monarch. That's like the M2K Techno, which is mm. super limited. Um, Puma came out. Actually, Puma came out with probably the best looking one, the Puma Spectra. If you guys ever get a chance to look it up, it's this really, it's it's sleek, but it's also bulky. It's yeah. colorful, but it's also a little muted. It's like really interesting. But you like, don't you like the Wave Runner? I do like the Wave Runner. Yeah. I always like the Wave Runner. Okay, here's here's a controversial one. Uh, well, not only do I like the Triple S, but I also like the Yeezy 500s. Hmm, you gotta remind bugs. me which that one. What that's, that looks like. It's uh, it looks like yeah, it looks like um, the sole looks like a, a somebody stepped on a Zaha Hadid. Exactly. Building. <laughs> so basically, what it was is uh, Adidas took a, uh, a sole from a '90s basketball shoe, which is very organic. It has a very sort of bulbous look to it. Wait, oh, this is I from an like, existing shoe. I don't like this the, the at sole. All. Is yes. Um, oh no way! They they reuse soles quite a bit. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the shoe? What's the name of the That's, basketball shoe? That I don't remember. I couldn't from. tell you. Uh, I couldn't. Oh, I'm not man. sure. Um, I, I just I hate that shoe. It looks so terrible. So basically, it's 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 a shoe with a. Very, put, it, put it away, James. I can't see it. I love this. I love this shoe. Uh, they have them at um uh, Billionaire Boys Club on in Soho. If you need a pair. how much well, they cost? Yeah, two hundred bucks. Two hundred twenty maybe. Do they make size fifteens? Genuinely, they might actually. Whoa. Really? Mm-hmm. Then I might rock those. Here's the thing. It's like the the reason that I have kind of stuck behind the Yeezy. There's some Yeezys that I don't understand. Right. What's the one that has like that slash orange stripe down the side? Oh, three fifty V. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not about those. Uh, those but, are the ones I like. I don't like the slash. I like them plain. Yeah, I agree with plain, you on they're that. They're fine. 100%. But but there's something I I like in thinking about. Kanye as an artist and somebody who's making a statement like these shoes make a statement and they make a statement at like you know the sort of designer sneaker level but at an affordable like a right. comparatively perf- affordable price uh, what's it what's interesting about these is that even even for Kanye yes they sell out but like sellout rates are slow like so mm. with the with the one with the orange slash Gone instantly. It goes for nine hundred dollars. This one you can pretty much find at a resale place for maybe fifty dollars over retail. Oh, interesting. You know, this one's not going. To be fair, there are more of these coming out, but I think genuinely, it's finally hit that point where people are like, even if I, even if I really love Kanye, if you don't like the way the shoe looks because it's so out there, they're like, because nah. because pause, you know, <laughs> the, gen- the general public isn't going to look at this and be like, oh, you got sweet shoes. They're gonna exactly. Be like, what are you wearing? You know, you really have to have a, a very specific style to be able. To- no. I- if you want to be noticed in them, you have to dress as if you are dressing like a streetwear sort of person. If you wear it like a sort of normal outfit, no one's really going to look at them. You know, you right. have to. So I can't. I can't wear it. You could pull them off perfectly. Right, right now with these Uniqlo jeans and. Well, I'm actually. Actually, this whole, probably... this whole outfit is sponsored by Uniqlo. That's the only place I shop for clothing. 
Good place. You know, you could. Uh, you. I mean, it would look like you know. It would look like you know how to dress because you're wearing Yeezys. You got a very nice, like, sort of sleek look. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, because yeah, I was gonna ask, like, how would one wear these wear these shoes properly? I think I, you gotta wear khakis, baggy khakis, right? <laughs> yeah. If you guys ever get a chance, check out actually that that picture right up there with the uh, oh oh Brad Hall. Have Brad you, Hall. Oh my Brad gosh. Hall. I stumbled upon him on YouTube one day. He is the. He's amazing. He's the best. He's trolling everyone. <laughs> everyone. He, he's a YouTuber, but he acts like a dad. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird juxtaposition of shoe reviews by this guy who is being a dad. I don't know. It's kind of yeah. weird. It's, the but whitest, it's really good. wearing dad, you know, ever. No, no. It's so monotone. Yeah. So, and he reviews things like, he just put out a video called um, the How Does This Leather Feel or something. And he had two pairs of Jordans. And he's like... So now we're gonna take this leather and and basically when you rub your nick your uh, not your nick, when you rub your knuckle into it you can feel the pressure is a little bit softer on this pair versus this pair so like he'll take a you pair would of, love these videos it's a, you seriously oh I have I have seen I saw one where he was in a leather jacket and you could hear the sound of the leather <laughs> as he moved oh that's great it was great this one is actually uh, how comfortable is he this one I mean it says how comfortable is the Easy Five Hundred but it's very I mean he's talking like. Basically, when you walk on like tile floors in a kitchen, this one is more comfortable than this other one. Like, super ridiculous <laughs> stuff. Like one, he did a whole video on how easy is it to get your foot into this shoe, and he did a list of the five. How ones. easy is this easy? Yeah. Uh, how easy is? Well, uh, I, I that kind of gets into the topic of you know who are your YouTube idols? You know, is there are there are there specific YouTubers that you look up to that like like whether they're in sneaker culture or not? Like who do you who do you idolize or who do you uh, aspire to be like? I really I love the other sneaker YouTubers because I know them personally. And I think they're great people. Um, but I feel like the sneaker YouTube culture is very much its own sort of like everyone kind of just does the same thing, mm. you know. So I try and watch. I, I as much as I love these people and as much as I, I respect their content, I can't watch them because it's 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 either very similar to mine or it's just not at all what I want to do. I kind of feel that way with Instagram, especially with sketching and things. It's not that I think that people are doing bad sketches exactly. i just i just it's all the same it's all right. people are sketching so i follow a yep. lot less sketchers and a lot more just designers and other inspiration right exactly right now in in that world of saturation how do you try to differentiate yourself the way that the way that i sort of so it's interesting so i got into sneaker reviewing right when everyone else was kind of getting out of it so there's oh. still a huge there's there's this thing called sneaker youtube which is sort of like a, a bubble right and it's people there's probably maybe 20 may at most 20 like sneaker youtubers who are over 100,000 subscribers and they, wow. we all know each other like we're all whatever you know no big deal the biggest one i think maybe has 1.2 million like it's not in the grand scope of youtube we're pretty small hmm. um but everyone knows everyone. Everyone goes to events all together. Like it's it's a very tight knit community. There is obviously drama, as you know, as you'd expect um, from tight knit community. It's the most ridiculous drama in between. It doesn't matter. I don't want to get into oh, it. Someone such and such stepped on my sneaker today, and oh man, it got. Uh, yeah, is it is it drama about like hey you took you took something that I was doing in my videos or? It's a bit of that. It's also a bit of like it's immaturity. There's a lot mm. of young kids in it, mm. and then there's also adults who are immature. You know, and it's just a whole, it's just, gotcha. you know, um, so the way I tried to differentiate myself is that, um, it's a very, at this point now it's very vlog style where people are just very like, oh yeah, I bought this shoe from the mall. It looks dope. You know, and that's the extent of it. Right. Or it's like, I've been looking for the shoe for a couple months and this is the journey of them finding the shoe. Yeah. I was like, well, you know what? I really, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it the way my inspiration has always been tech reviews. Like I've always loved tech reviews. And as you guys know, like the Xbox review I did, it did well. And and I sort of followed that same, like, I love people like MKBHD, iJustine, like those big tech review channels that are super polished, super professional. Right. So that's sort of the approach that I took. And um, no one else was really doing that super professional, super like, like I, I want my camera angles to be right. I want to use the best camera equipment. I want to make sure that like everything looks really nice. I, I, so what I do too is like in my backgrounds, I have a shelf with shoes on it, but I change out the shoes to fit with the brand so that mm. if I'm doing it, so that if like Adidas wanted to sponsor me, they know that I wouldn't have like a Nike shoe in the background. Yeah, oh, that's, Adidas. that's smart. Yeah, right? that's smart. So it's, it's very like everything that I do is very thought out on these videos. And so no one was really taking that really professional approach. And because of that, and because of the fact that, you know, these, these videos that they're doing are, are very like 
clickbaity, I guess, in a, yeah. in a sense. And this is the first. To be fair, the guy who started it, this guy named Kais, awesome guy. He's the one who sort of pioneered sneaker YouTube. He's the one who took like the ideas of clickbait in YouTube and put it into sneakers, and that blew up the, the culture. But it got it hit the saturation point now, where people they want to see they want to see the newest Yeezy. They want to know if they want to buy it or not, and that's it. They don't care like they don't care that you went down to friggin' like. You know, in, in LA, it's Melrose. They don't care that you went down to Melrose and couldn't find it, and then you had to go to this other store to buy it. They want to know about the shoe, what it looks like, and how it looks on your feet, and how if it's worth the money. So I was like, this wasn't a conscious decision at the time, but as I progressed, I started to realize that was sort of my niche. Um, so I started to do strictly sneaker reviews. I named the video Yeezy 500 Review because it's super searchable. If someone types in Yeezy 500 Review on Google, they're going to get my video. They're going to yeah. get it on YouTube. So that's how I started to grow because I was very to the point, very design oriented. I wanted to review shoes from the perspective of someone who, if I ever you know got in sneakers on, I could design a shoe. You know, right, right. So I wanted to come at it from that perspective, like a value perspective, a design perspective. And um, I think that's sort of what differentiated it, you know. Yeah, like yeah. With, within electronics, people do the same thing that I'm doing for sneakers. Right. For but, sure. But yeah. there just isn't anyone doing like that, doing that for sneakers yet. So that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you mentioned that you would want to design a sneaker. What, what What's the future of this YouTube thing, Seth? Like, are you know, we we're up to this point now about your you've educated us on hype culture. We are. <laughs> We are uh, feeling uh, that we need to go out and buy some Balenciaga lessons. <laughs> very heavy. But your wallet won't pay have, after you have, buy them. Have you have you tried a pair on? No, I, I don't want to spend eight hundred dollars. <laughs> it's sad because now I buy shoes. Oh, I don't want to say this because people will get mad at me when I say this. But now it's gotten to a point now where I buy shoes because I think I, I look at Google Trends. I see what shoes are trending, and a lot of the shoes that I buy, unless I really like them. Are strictly for work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the job. It is. So, you, don't get so it. what's what's yeah. the future for your channel? Or yeah. What do you do? You want to go back into design, or you want to do the YouTube full time? Keep doing the YouTube full time? I think it's it's interesting. Up so until until I left Bark, the plan was the dream was to do YouTube full time. Okay. And now that I'm doing YouTube full time, I've done it since you know since February March. Um, it's only been a couple months. Um. I'm not sure. I mean, <clears throat> now that now that I haven't had that everyday sort of immersion into industrial design, I would I'm interested to maybe go back into it. I, I thought about maybe doing you know sketching tutorials on how to draw a shoe because yeah. the people that I'd be talking to wouldn't be like your audience who understands right. that. It'd be people who have no idea what's going on. You know, yeah. they, they don't understand um, sort of the design side of things. So I'd I'd love to maybe try that. I'd love to you know maybe do one of those Nike design contests yeah. and maybe have my own shoe or something. But yeah. that'd be sweet, right? Yeah, it'd, it'd be sick. Uh, but honestly, like right now, I just I really want to see where this goes. I'd really love to make this um, a very sustainable, very stable sort of thing. Right. And then once, that's sort of an abstract kind of goal. But I mean, um, I don't know. I, I just love to see where it takes me. Like, yeah, you're along for the ride. No, that's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Like the opportunities it's provided. You know, even now or like next month, I'm going to Ireland for a commercial shoot. What? Like that's, that's crazy, awesome. right? With who? This uh, it's like a charity organization. Yeah. Cool, okay. that's awesome. It's yeah, just, I was just about to ask you, like, what's the craziest thing a company has done for you, like in terms of promoting their brand? Recently, I think it was Adidas. They they flew me out to London. They paid me for all this too. This wasn't just like, hey, we're gonna fly out to London. They were like, no, we're gonna pay you too. Yeah. So they flew me out to London, um, for the release of their POD sneaker, and then they. <clears throat> They obviously like took me out to dinner, all this crazy stuff. But they also they had this thing um, which they also have at their Brooklyn Farm or Creative Area or whatever it's called in New York, um, where they have like sort of a free open area where you can design your own sneaker. So they had a two-hour session where you went and you could literally draw your sneaker and then design it. And then they had you know interns from a college nearby sew it for you. Whoa! Wait, yeah, it was nuts. Wait, you you nuts. you designed it and then got it made the same day? Yeah, nuts, crazy. <laughs> is it on? Is it on your YouTube? It's. Okay, so uh, this is going to sound super lame, but I was, uh, I didn't finish mine in time. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't finish mine. But oh, you met no. Pharrell. Oh, yeah, Pharrell was there. Oh, Pharrell. Pharrell was there. And then after that, after that, after the after all this whole experience, first, I mean, basically, first I had, like, the little introduction, like, hey, this is the shoe that we just designed, blah, blah, blah. Now we'd like to see what you can create with the same sort of stuff. So they gave us, like, boost. They gave us all this stuff. Um, yeah. After that, they were like, oh, yeah, and also tonight, you know, there's going to be this private concert. We're not going to tell you who's coming, but, you know, it'll be cool. So we're like, dope. So we go to this concert, and, um... The Migos showed up, nice. and then at the in the last song that Migos played, Pharrell got on stage and like nice. sang with the Migos. It was nuts. <laughs> and Pharrell's been one of those artists that like I got to shake his hand. Meet him. Pharrell's one of those artists that like I, I don't know if you guys know about the uh, what's the show in Philly, Made in America. Right. I I was so into Pharrell 
that I snuck into Made in America in 2014 to see nice. him. I was like obsessed with him. And yeah. uh, it, was, it was a crazy experience. And uh, other brands have done amazing things. Like, you know, Jordan's flown me out to L.A. Um, I saw, was it Vans that took you on the helicopter ride? Converse. Converse. Converse flew me around... Uh, Manhattan. Manhattan. That's fun. You had to have a photography license to be able to like. They actually had me strapped in so you could lean out and film. But you have to like get a, like a. It's a couple months. You have to apply for this photography license. Yeah. And, stuff. and they just huh. they're like, yo, you want to come on this? Helicopter? Yeah. And I'm also noticing the Fitbit that you have on. I'm pretty sure Adidas. you got that from Adidas. Yep. They're just. <laughs> I got this shirt from Jeff Staple. <laughs> Shout out to Nick and Emily for that one. <laughs> you are blinged out, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's that's awesome. I'm, well, I'm gonna be honest. I might switch to an Apple Watch. Oh. No shade, but <laughs> <laughs> no. It, it's great to hear that, Seth. Yeah, um, we did have one question yeah. come in for you, and I think this is a great question for all of us. Uh, it comes from Lucas, and he says, "What's your favorite shoe, and why?" Ooh. Oh, you okay, Lucas? Thank you for the question. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, my favorite shoe is the Jordan One in the bread colorway, which stands for okay, black and red. So this is like OG. This is OG. This is the original hype shoe, mm-hmm. and I love it because one, because the history is great, but two, because I love red. Yeah. And it literally goes with everything. It's this gorgeous, like, simple, clean except shoe. With, except with my hair color. I, 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 I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it's, 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 a really, it's a really beautiful, well-made shoe, and it's, it's timeless. You know? you, yeah. It's been around since 85, and it's, you can't, it goes, I mean, literally with everything. And it's relatively comfortable. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite shoe, Nick? Yeah, I just get nice classic black Vans. That's yeah. perfect. I'm wearing socks right now. <laughs> They're I mean, Vans socks. I mean, I mean, oh, they are Vans socks. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah James, I mean, what it- well, I, I tell people this all the time, but basically, like, my shoe collection is literally, I have to go to the freak bin at Nordstrom Rack <laughs> in order to find anything that's my size. But I find some, I find some interesting stuff back there. That's like, like, you know, I, I have this pair of Nikes that are kind of like high top Nikes that I love that are all gray except for like a gum sole. Um, oh, that sounds cool. That sounds, is that yeah. the you're wearing right now? No, these are, I actually bought these when we were at Lifetime. Oh. I, I got these off of Zappos. They're that's like, nice. yeah, they're like blue and pink Nikes. They got the nice like blue swoosh on like the gray. I like that. Yeah. It's like a, a little pink hit on the tongue too. And on the midsole. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm, you know, we're going to be with Seth Fowler today. i got to bring my best pair of shoes. And these shoes are like years and years old. I only have one pair. Yeah. Just my black fans. But, uh, but Seth, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having like, me. You know, we're we're definitely cheering on your success because yeah. you know mm-hmm. I I can say this from personal experience. I've met very few people that are as genuine oh, as Seth you. is. Like. It. You know, he's not he's not putting on an act. Seth is the real deal. Yeah. Thanks. So. Definitely. Thank thank you, Seth. Um, thanks for having me. Like honestly, I've been following you guys, you know, and it's been incredible. You guys are killing it. Do you <laughs> wanna plug anything? Like give us your handle or what 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 how do, how can people find you? Um yeah, search me on YouTube, Seth Fowler. Um okay. Yeah, S E T H F O W L E R. Um or on Instagram, just real Seth Fowler because uh, <clears throat> some older gentleman took Seth Fowler. Dang it. I know. <sighs> Yeah, so that's that was unfortunate, but you know, just honestly Google it, you know, and you can find it. Okay, that sounds super pretentious. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> <laughs> just just go on YouTube and search Seth Fowler. Right after James's comment. <laughs> no, no, Seth. Seth uh, yeah, we we'll link to everything so awesome. you guys can Thank find you. it. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Of course, you can subscribe to Minor Details on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, and check it out on minordetailspodcast.com. If you have a question. Email minor details podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm at Nick P. Baker. And I am at I Drawn Receipts. And I'm at Real Seth Fowler. All right. Peace out, guys. Later.